This is the first, I believe, the first top five matchup between two big Big Ten teams that didn't include Ohio State since 1997 and didn't include Ohio State or Michigan since the 60s. So, yeah, this is kind of a big deal for Penn State and Iowa. Hello and welcome into another episode of The Lion Slayer. I am your host, John Sauber, and joining me once again in person is Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, how's it going? Well, to be fair, I need an Advil because I'm having a headache of, you know, just seeing some of the things that people have been saying about this game and like I a lot, a lot of stuff from the outside that I'm like, uh, I don't understand I don't get it. Um, a lot of people saying that, okay, well, this is Big Ten football. It's not that important right now. It's the freaking third and fourth team in the country yeah, this playing is against gonna, each other. This is going to be the biggest matchup Penn State has until, you know, the next big one, right? Like when they play Ohio State, I'm sure that will be bigger if Penn State wins this one. Uh, but as you alluded to, Penn State heading to Iowa City this weekend to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes in Kinnick Stadium. Their toughest matchup of the year uh, – Per the rankings, I would actually argue that, and I'm sure this will go over well, as most of my takes do, uh, that Wisconsin's a better team than Iowa is. Uh, SB Plus would also indicate that. Has a better offense and better defense. Um, And, you know, quite frankly, Iowa doesn't doesn't have the dynamism offensively, but we can get into that in a little bit. I'll let you start off, uh, as we always do, though. Looking at last week, your biggest takeaway from Penn State versus Indiana. Defense looks dominant. I mean, that's my biggest takeaway. I I don't think you could say much more than the fact that Penn State dominated that entire game. I mean, it was it was very akin to, you know, it was it was really funny watching that that game on Saturday. Like, I watched that game, and then the next day I watched the Ravens game, and the Ravens game went very similarly. Um, you know, even though it wasn't a blowout per se, it was still a very you know, they just dominated them. They beat them the way that they were supposed to beat them. Um, you know, they didn't – that game was never in hand for Indiana. Indiana had no chance throughout that entire game, and that was because of the defense. Yeah, and it was – and largely, I think, too, because My- Michael Penix just, you know, and unfortunately isn't the same quarterback and is now out for a few weeks after he uh, got hurt in the game against Penn State. Jack Tuttle comes in for Indiana – frankly doesn't do a whole lot better Indiana gets shut out on the back of that defense um at this point aside from Georgia I think this is probably the best defense in the country and Georgia is its own animal right now right like they're they're far and away better than every other team in the country defensively uh just swarming at every level but I I do think Penn State is not sort of as far off as as you would anticipate given Georgia's talent level um I, I I do think this is important to shut out Indiana going into Iowa because you're going to need to be that good again against Iowa. Iowa, not a great offense, but still you don't want them to be able to score because this should be a low-scoring game. But but to circle back to Indiana real quick, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is that I'm still concerned about the offense and still concerned about Sean Clifford. Uh, he still wasn't on the mark enough. He still struggled with decision-making at times. There, there were two plays in particular that I think were really, really, really pro- positive signs. But outside of that, like things, things weren't great, right? Like they were, there, there were misfires, there were uh, poor reads, there were, you know, times he sort of set the running game up to fail. So uh, 
what did you see from Sean Clifford in the game, and, and how has it changed sort of your expectation this coming week? Um, I mean, he, he looked okay at best. Um, I, and like you said, I, I just think he – I mean, we, we see it every week. We know it feels like when he just gets very scattered sometimes. I mean, when he, when he starts getting blitz, we've seen that multiple times where he just – you know, his feet, he gets skittish, um, sc- kind of scatterbrained when it comes to, you know, where he's going with the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, some passes, it looked like he wanted to go to elsewhere, but his, I mean, his brain was telling him one thing, but his body went the complete opposite direction. Um, and then when it comes to the fact that, I mean, he had, he had a few nice plays that I liked where he ran right to the line and, you know, drew the defense and dumps the ball off. That I mean, use your feet sometimes. I mean, if if he can continue to do things like that and keep people honest, he's gonna have a lot of open passes if you know the offense designs for it, and which is which is what I think Gersich does anyway. And plus, his receivers do a very good job of coming back to the ball. I think that's something that um, you know they should use to their advantage a little bit more. Is that you know busted plays just Clifford has to use his feet sometimes run a little bit more. I know in the past, he always would take off now. Just like he, I feel like now he, he does the exact opposite. He holds on the ball onto the ball too long for me. Yeah. And, and I get what you're saying. And, and to be clear, there's, there's two plays you're talking about. There are the, the few plays you're talking about are the two that uh, I referenced there with the two touchdown passes, right? The one, he comes up right to the edge of the line of scrimmage on the left side, heading toward the South end zone. Um, and, and he pulls up just in time uh, to throw the ball to Brenton Strange for a touchdown who had broken open away from his uh, defender on a runaway route when the, the play broke down. The second one, he gets right up to the line of scrimmage heading toward the north end zone, rolls to the right, uh, comes right up to the line, like I said. Jahan Dotson's defender leaves him, probably a mistake in any scenario, especially that one. Clifford dumps it off, Dotson scores the touchdown with the help of a Brenton Strange block downfield. Uh, but I, I think those are the scenarios, right, that can be where, where his legs are used best. And I, I, I think that, frankly, last year he took off too much. I, I don't know that he's – I don't know that I would say he's hanging on to the ball too long as much as I would say he's he's not moving as much as I would like him to, right, when he's outside the pocket. He's, he's staying in the pocket and um, navigating it when he should, but there are opportunities to move outside the pocket and allow for – uh, the plays to to sort of get extended more naturally, let guys come to him, let guys free themselves up, finding new passing angles because he's no longer standing in the pocket. So maybe he can get a guy the ball to the guy on the right side a little bit easier. Um, maybe they don't need as much space, but I, I, I still think you would like to see him run a little more because he's such a good athlete. But I, all in all, like I think that's been the strongest part of his game is the the pocket navigation that we didn't see last year. Right, like there was. He looked scared at times last year, like you said. He looked like his his footwork was breaking down. He looked like he, you know, wanted to bail at the first opportunity. That hasn't been the case this year, and there were a couple occasions where he navigated the pocket on Saturday, I thought, extremely well, moved around incoming pass rushers, and found an open receiver, which uh, has been an emphasis, according to James Franklin under Mike Yurcich, right? It's been less about bailing out, more about finding guys uh, downfield, using your legs to create time and space rather than using your legs to create yardage for yourself. So I, I do think... I tend to agree that, you know, he um, he should put himself in position to make better throws. I don't know that I agree that he's hanging on the ball too long because 
frankly, as long as he's throwing the ball away when he needs to, I, I don't know that that's ever going to be much of an issue. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, I think like we what we always say, he can get better. I mean, he can always get better. And the stats, I don't think the stats tell the whole story. That's something we both can agree on for sure. Um, I think a lot of people from the outside, I mean, we were we were really curious about the PFF grade, um, you know, against Villanova. Uh, we were like, well, some of the throws that he made, yes, he completed those passes, but he was just throwing it in a general, maybe not even vicinity of guys, but because Penn State has so many great athletes on the team, they were able to connect. So, I mean, if he can continue to – if he plays he, – he can't play like how he did against Villanova and expect to win against Iowa. He has to play like he did against Auburn, and I think that was – I still think that was the best game that Sean Clifford had as a quarterback at Penn State. Yeah, I think it's the best since 2019 at least. You know, I, you can probably pick a few from 2019. He was really good against Memphis in the Cotton Bowl, um, but I, I do think that was far and away his best performance of the season. Uh, strangely enough, he didn't get – you know, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. He got it the following week for that game against Villanova when I, I just didn't think he was on target as frequently as, as others did. You know, I rewatched the game a couple of times just to sort of uh, check myself in that opinion. You know, I stand by it, right, that, that those throws weren't as on target as you want them to be. And, you know, sometimes having Jahan Dotson bails you out. And that was a game where having Jahan Dotson bailed him out. And that was a little bit of the case again against Indiana. He wasn't as accurate as you'd want him to be, but he, he was good enough and – Again, I, I wrote about this in the past. Good enough is only good enough as long as they're winning, right? Like, good enough might not be good enough against Ohio State when you actually have to keep pace. It might not be good up good enough against Iowa um, if they're going to end up in a position like they did against Wisconsin, and you're relying on these deep throws that you don't know if you're going to be able to get in the big plays. That being said, I do think Penn State's formula is going to be similar this weekend. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk about the running game because everyone is at this point, and you know I. I think it is a worthwhile conversation. Where are you at with this running game, and where are you at specifically with the offensive line and the play of the running backs? Pound the rock with Kevon Lee. That's where I'm at with this. I mean, the offensive line, even though they, they didn't run block particularly well last week, I think that, you know, Lee ran great. I mean, Lee Lee looked like the best running back out there. He has for quite some time, if you look at the statistics. Um, you know, he was, he averaged coming into that game, he was averaging, uh, five yards a carry. So if that's what the stats are telling you, I mean, I, I just don't understand why he wasn't used more in the past. And I mean, like I said before, coming into the game, I thought him and John Lovett should have been used more. And that's exactly what they did. They used both of those guys more and it worked out to their advantage. And then now, you know, Lee was coming in with 5.2 uh, 5 yards a carry but now he's averaging 6 6 6.2 yards a carry after his game. Um you know just give him the ball. Give him the ball, let him work, let love it work. Love it look good in pass pro. Um and I think that's something that, you know, they have to they have to get those two going. Um you know, just let them do what they need to do and you know, run the offense that you've been running. Yeah, and and the thing with Lee is like and I, and I know every run counts, right? Like you can't just say, oh, take out the longest run and take out the shortest runs and see what he did because they all count in the end, right? But if you take out Lee, Lee's 40-yard run, he was still good. Like he was still averaging over four yards carry. And I think that's significant because 
Uh, quite a few times we've seen this year that someone breaks a big run and it makes it look better than the, than it was, and not just Penn State. That happens around the country. Uh, I think at this point, Lee's clearly the, the best running back. The problem is the fumbles and, and moving east-west and south, right? Not north-south, just straight south. Uh, and he, he, he's he got to be heading downfield. First and foremost, like he's, he's not as agile uh, as other guys and can't break plays like that. That's not going to be his style. He's big and strong and physical. Uh, when he gets going downhill, he has some speed. I would, I would argue faster than Noah Kane at this point. And, and for that to work, you have to be moving downhill. You can't be uh, sort of trying to be shifty side to side. And he has excellent balance, and that will help, help him break tackles a lot like Noah Kane. And he's very powerful, so he'll be able to break through arm tackles. Uh, but the other thing is, like, he's got to hold on to the ball. He's fumbled. Like, every time he fumbles, he gets pulled, and he's essentially done for the game. Uh, and that didn't happen this weekend. He still wasn't used, I think, as frequently as you would like to see. Um, I thought Kevon Lee should have been used more. I do think Noah Kane's been excellent in pass protection. That warrants, you know, uh, more play on, on passing downs. But so is John Lovett, and those two guys stand out there. So that's probably why Lee's not getting as much run in the passing game. But either way, this this group as a whole just has to be better. Like, the, the offensive line needs to block better. I, I think they've, they've, they've sort of escaped the uh, – the criticism because the team ran for I think it was over 200 yards this weekend, uh, including Sean Clifford. But the holes weren't necessarily there. A lot of Kevon Lee's 74 yards were because he created them. The holes weren't there for Noah Kane, and even when they were, he looked hesitant. Uh, he he hasn't looked like the same back that he was in 2019 yet this year. It's clear that he's dinged up, I think. And, and James Franklin said as much, but it's nothing he can't play through. And he plans to be a full go this week. I just think the the answer isn't Noah Kane at this point. And it's got to be the guy that can create the most out of nothing because the offensive line just hasn't been good enough to this point in the run game. Yeah, and I don't think they'll – the way things are going, I don't I don't necessarily think that they'll get any better um, in a, when it comes to the offensive line run blocking, not this year anyway. I think going forward, yes. You know, I don't – I don't disagree that they – I mean, I, I don't disagree with other people that I think that this offensive line will get better in, in the near future. I just think that's coming. Um, you know, you have a couple – you have a freshman that's there now in Landon Tangwall who – I mean, they talked to Caden Wallace last week on Wednesday, and, you know, he was very high on Tangwall. Uh, Phil Trout-Wine's been pretty high on Tangwall, and – when you add guys like that, I think I think you get significantly better in the run game, um, just because they they're going to be blocking and being more physical. I, I think that's the biggest issue with this Penn State offensive line is that they're not as physical as you would hope they would be. And when that gets better as time goes on, you know, I'm to me that that's a good situation to have. Yeah, and for sure, and when Tengwall inevitably and eventually plays, I think that will be a major plus in the run game. Problem is, there's not a lot of reason to believe that he's going to play this year, right? And, and this is probably going to be the group that we see for a while. And if this is the group that we're going to see for a while, I just I have a hard time fathoming this is going to be the group that gets the job done. So I tend to think they're going to have to rely more in the short passing game as their short yardage situations. Like, I'm not I'm not a believer in the uh, the idea that, like, oh, you need to be able to run when everyone knows you're going to run. Well, if everyone knows you're going to run, throw the ball because nobody will be expecting it. Then you'll see eight in the box. You'll be able to get mis- mismatches on the outside. Maybe uh, a, a tight end is blocking for Jahan Dotson in space when it's two-on-two, two and Dotson just has to make a guy miss rather than Noah Kane trying to make six guys in the box miss uh, or however many guys come unblocked even. 
Uh, you know, so I, I'm not a subscriber in that you need to be able to run uh, when everyone knows you're going to run. I know that's something James Franklin has said a lot. I just, you know, I, there are other ways to gain one or two yards, right? And if, if teams are going to stack the box against you, play the numbers, take advantage on the outside, use the best player on your team, Jahan Dotson, to make things happen, or use him as a decoy. Get the ball to Parker Washington in those situations. Get it to Keandre Lambert-Smith. Um, but that that takes me to the next guy that I want to talk about, the next two guys, really, and Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington. I thought this was a sort of shockingly poor performance from Parker Washington and more of the same from Dotson. Uh, your thoughts on the wide receivers, specifically those top two guys? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it was times where I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Parker Washington – I, I can't remember who's, who mentioned this, and I saw it, too, on the sideline, that when he he dropped a couple passes and then he was on the sideline just catch, trying to catch passes, and he looked upset, um, you know, and he just didn't have a great game. I mean, it was, and it was uncharacteristic, so I don't think this is something that you necessarily have to worry about. Um, and then Jahan Dotson's Jahan Dotson. I mean, it, it's like... You only can <laughs> you only can do so much when your quarterback is you know just okay. Yeah, and, and I think the thing with Washington is that, like you said, it's uncharacteristic. But too often we see guys sort of. And I'm sure people will love to hear this word. Get the yips right, and they they drop a pass or two, and suddenly it becomes an issue. We saw it with Deshaun Hamilton uh, a few years ago at Penn State. He was. You know, he had one of the best pair of hands on the team. Right, he never dropped passes. He dropped one pass against Pitt when the team lost 42 to 39 uh, and then he struggled from that point and then he eventually regained that form and uh, and was a good receiver again but this can happen and so I think that's got to be the concern as frustrated as Washington might be as excellent as his hands might be he needs to go out there and needs to have a bounce back game because one turns into two turns into three turns into four and then suddenly it's a problem so I don't think it's a problem right now uh, I agree with you but I think it's just something to sort of monitor I think at this point the Jahan Dotson conversation has to center around if there's going to be a wide receiver that goes ahead of him in the 2022 NFL draft, right? Like that's 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 where we're at with how dominant he's been this year. My answer would be a simple no. Like I, I don't think there's any chance that uh, he's he's going to get worse. Like I mean, things can always happen with injuries and stuff like that. But he is the not only is he the highest end wideout I think of this of this class. Uh, I also think he is the safest pick right the flaws in his game are he's kind of small which sounds a lot like Devonte smith last year he's kind of thin not even small he's kind of thin but he's a massive catch radius uh he's excellent at creating space and it is everything you want in a wide receiver and you, you you said it i mean there's only so much more you can say about Jahan dotson right now it's about sean clifford getting him the ball in as many ways as he can uh and and figuring out you know how james franklin and mike yurcich figuring out how to get the ball to dotson as many times as they can because eight receptions is good, and I think he finished somewhere between 10 to 12 targets. I wouldn't hate seeing that bump to 12 to 14 or even 12 to 15 uh, a game for Dotson because he's been that good. Um, but let's move on. This is the first, I believe, the first top five matchup between two big Big Ten teams that didn't include Ohio State since 1997 and didn't include Ohio State or Michigan since the 60s. So, yeah, this is kind of a big deal for Penn State and Iowa. Uh, clearly, I think... Two of the uh, two of the top teams in the country, two of the top defenses in the country, and again, I will open the floor. Where are we at on the Penn State Iowa matchup? Well, I know people in Happy Valley aren't going to be happy to hear me say this. I, I think that Penn State, you know, as as good as they've played, I just think that this Iowa team is a different breed. Um, I think that they're a little bit 
more physical. You know, the offensive line is going to actually push people forward. Um, I think defensively, you know, they're better. <laughs> as great as Penn State, Penn State's defense is amazing. Like, let's say that, but so is Iowa's, and Iowa's is even better. I mean, Iowa, based off of, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at Iowa, and it's very similar teams, but Iowa just has more physicality, I think, and I think that's the difference in this game. Iowa's averaging, what is it, 11? They're only giving up 11.6 points per game. Penn State's only giving up 12. So these are very similar, tough defenses. I also do think that Penn State has had little bit more tougher opponents than Iowa has. But I will also say that Iowa's running game is better. I would say, I mean, their passing game's not as good. We already knew that was going to be the case coming into this. I mean, it, Iowa, how many times has Iowa really passed the ball well since, like, Ricky Stanzi was there? Well, we can tell you they haven't passed it many times well this year. I don't know. I don't know what else to say besides that. I think P- Penn State isn't as strong of a team as I was. That's all that, that I think. And, it, and it's not to say that Penn State – I don't think Penn State's getting blown out in this game. I think it's going to be an incredibly close game. I just think that Iowa has a slight advantage. So this goes back to what I said earlier, right? I don't think Iowa is the best team Penn State's played this year. I think Wisconsin's a better team uh, with a slightly less anemic offense. I think Iowa and Wisconsin both are outside the top 60 in Bill Connolly's SP Plus uh, for ESPN, which is a predictive measure about college football efficiency, essentially. That's uh, forward-facing and sort of projects how you will you will face another matchup or you will fare in other matchups, I should say. And and both of those offenses are bad, right? Like they're, they're outside the power five bad even. Um, so I, I don't think the offense is going to be an issue. Uh, Iowa's offense is going to be an issue. Even the running game for as good as Tyler, uh, someone like Tyler Linderbaum is as their Iowa center, big physical mauler, Penn State's defense is just as good. And Tyler Goodson's a good running back. He's not great. Uh, you know, and, and I don't think he's going to be a game breaker um, by by any stretch of the imagination in this game. And and frankly, Spencer Petrus has been bad this year. I, I think a lot of people got really excited about that Maryland game. Uh, and if you if you take away those turnovers, which again the Iowa defense earned, but if you take them away from the offense, they they didn't produce much, right? They weren't driving the ball up and down the field against Maryland. They were sort of getting lucky because the defense was handing them ball and them the ball in advantageous territories. And so I, I think this gets decided rather on the other side, right? With Penn State's offense and Iowa's defense. As you said, Iowa, uh, one of the best defenses in the country. Iowa ranks, I believe, fourth in the country in SB+, Penn State fifth, Wisconsin's third. And Penn State already beat Wisconsin on the road in another hostile environment. And again, they only scored 16 points, but it seemed like in the second half they figured something out. And I think for Penn State to win this game, they're going to have to play a lot like they did in the second half of that game. They're going to have to look for the shot plays. They're going to have to look for opportunities to get their playmakers in space because for as big and physical as Iowa is, Iowa is still Iowa, right? They, they don't have supreme athletes, even, even on the edges. They don't have these guys that are going to be able to run and chase uh, and, and get you down. They need to sort of beat you by keeping you in front of them. And, and I don't know if they can keep Penn State in front of them. Every time somebody says edges, I think of that, uh, that clip <laughs> where um... – I forgot who it was. It was that Jaguars player that was like, I said edges, I said edges. And then he gets shook by uh, Le'Veon Bell. Oh, I remember. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Malik Jackson, my bad. That's who I was thinking of. Uh, but it just, I I mean, it could, this game could go either way, right? 
So that's what I think. I, I think it could go either way. I just think that I was slightly better to me. Um, I, like, I mean, we could disagree on that. I, no, I, and, and listen, plenty of people would disagree on this game. It's the number three and four team in the country. I think at the end of the day, this Iowa team isn't far off offensively from where Iowa usually is. It's just the insane defense. Um, and the defense is as good as Iowa's had for a while. Uh, and it's as good as, you know, that that it will have uh, for a while too, I would guess. But I just think if Penn State can score twice on big plays, or if they can put themselves in positions to score twice on big plays, get 14 points, that might be it. Like Iowa is, is a, and I can't stress this enough, like every metric points to this being a bad offense. Spencer Petras has been a bad quarterback. And their running game is good, but it's not great. And so... We saw a similar offense, quite frankly, in, in Wisconsin just get decimated by Penn State. And we saw a similar offense in Indiana get decimated by Penn State. So I, for as good as the Iowa defense is, I just don't know that there's a reasonable way for, for the Hawkeyes to score in this game. Like, I, like, do you envision this this team grinding down Iowa or grinding down Penn State defensively? Because, listen, for as big and physical as they are, Penn State's pretty big and physical up front too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not like – and we got to keep in mind, too, it's not like, even though I say this about Iowa, it's still not, I mean, their offense isn't, like you said, their offense isn't great. And their rushing offense isn't even in the top 50. Like I said, I, I don't I don't see them grinding down Penn State's defense. But I that's a problem, though. I think Penn State's offense isn't nearly, it's like, I, I think that's a way bigger gap between Penn State's offense and Iowa's defense than it is Iowa's offense and Penn State's defense. Yeah, see, I mean, and, and again, I rely heavily on SB+, Plus in case it isn't blatantly obvious. Uh, Penn State still has a top 25 offense in the country per SB+. Plus. And, like, top 25 is a good place to be. Now, it doesn't get you a national title, but it's, you know, it, it helps you beat a, te- beat a team that's 72nd in offense, you know, uh, and has a similar defense. And to me, the the defenses are pretty equal, and Penn State's offense just so much, so much better than Iowa's because it has more talent. Uh, it has more playmakers. It has more uh, ability to break open uh, big chances in the open field uh, because that's kind of what they what you need to do to beat Iowa, right? Like you need those game-breaking plays. And, man, is there a guy in the Big Ten better to bake, uh, break a game open than Jahan Dotson? Probably not. So, really, you just got to get by the safeties. You got you to prevent them from doing what they want to do. It's keeping the ball in front. Iowa wants to keep the ball in front of them. And they want to shut you down. And if they can't do that, well, then they're going to be in some semblance of trouble. So you, you, you have to force them out of the comfort zone. And I think, and and you know, I, there are a lot of things that will change the way this game goes, right? But I think the biggest thing for Penn State, as it was against Wisconsin, as they failed to do and still won, is to get Iowa on its heels. If they can get up a score too early, that is going to ruin Iowa's game plan the rest of the game. It it's going to take. It will take a lot. And I mean, maybe. Like we've seen, we've seen Jahan Dotson blow past Auburn defensive backs, and Auburn has that speed. And Auburn has arguably the best corner in the country. Yes. So I mean, if if he can do that against them, and I don't think, I mean, to be fair, I don't, I don't think any Maryland isn't even in the same realm as Penn State. And I've I've heard so many people. I'm just gonna tell people back home who are listening to this podcast that think I'm a Penn State homer now. Shut up, because you the Maryland fans overrated this team for God knows how long, and they thought that they were gonna that, that Iowa was gonna come in and stumble over the Terps. 
and they and they should be ashamed of themselves. And and like, listen, everyone over eight cent team, right? But like Maryland's pretty bad. Like this is not a, this is not. They're like not going to go to a bowl game. I haven't looked at the schedule, so I won't make that declaration. They're, they're yet, not but, going to a bowl game. But it's like, as simple as that. They are. They are not. I don't even think Maryland's as good as Rutgers. I'll say that right now. There you have it. We got the hottest takes for you here in the Lions Lair. That's what I'm here for. But yeah, no, I think like. Especially uh, not without Dante Demas. Yeah, and Demas is a big loss for them, and it was a big loss early in that game too. Uh, Talia Tonga Vailoa isn't. Uh, it's not a great quarterback either, uh, from what I I've think seen. He's, so. I think he's decent. Yeah, he's decent. And he's decent. Decent quarterbacks will get you to like six or seven wins sometimes, exactly. but it's not going to take you much further. Uh, but back to to the, how this pertains to Iowa, like Iowa going into uh, Maryland. And, and beating them like they did, I, I don't think was overly surprising from the standpoint of, you know, once they, they got Maryland behind the eight ball and forced them to try and chuck the ball downfield, it forced Talia into some bad decisions. And listen, they could very well do the same thing to Penn State, right? Like they could put Sean Clifford in those compromised positions. Except I don't think the Penn State defense is going to break so easily, right, in the in short fields. Like, we watched it happen this weekend when, when they faced Indiana. Sean Clifford throws, I think, pretty clearly the worst interception he's thrown this year uh, into coverage. He had no business making that pass. He had two options. He had Jahan Dotson open downfield, hit Parker Washington open in the middle of the field, and he waited too long to throw it to Washington that got picked. Um, but the, the Penn State defense bowed up and and stuffed them, right? Like, Indiana did not score on a drive where they got the ball at, I believe, the 13-yard line. And that is saying something. And and frankly, Indiana is a better, if not you know, if not better, maybe equivalent offense to Iowa. So even if Iowa gets those turnovers, I, I'm not confident they're going to be able to turn them into anything other than field goals. So I, you know, I, I just think this this is an example of a, a matchup with two elite defenses that you know we all sort of fall for the man. These defenses are really going to dictate this. Well, one of the offenses is so much better than the other that I don't think it's going to matter. And again, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. But I think we might. I'm going to end up looking stupid for this if I won this game, but what else is new? But uh, I don't think this is going – this was – I'll say this. When I made my game pick, and we'll get to our predictions here soon enough, it was not a difficult decision for me based on what I've seen out of both these teams. And it, honestly, I'm so down on Iowa compared to everyone else that I went back and rewatched games earlier this week because I wanted to make sure I wasn't insane, but I saw more of the same. Um. <laughs> Now you got me rethinking my pick, uh, but that's how you know I'm convincing. Get people rethinking within like 45 minutes. I'm still gonna take Iowa 14 and 10. That's my prediction. It's gonna be an ugly game. I I, I tend to agree with that ugliness, um, and and I settled on Penn State 17 to 13. But I think it is far more likely Penn State wins this game like 31 to 10 than it is that Iowa does the same. And I think that. You know, they're just, there's just a wider range of outcomes for Penn State to have success in this game. And when you have a wider range of outcomes, you're more likely to win the game. Like when you win, let's say there are 100 possibilities, when Penn State's winning 60 of them, I, I tend to lean that way. And I just think Sean Clifford's going to be good enough again. And <laughs> listen, like I said earlier, good enough is good enough until it isn't. Um, and I think it will be again this week. And I don't I don't see a great way for Iowa to score or efficiently in this game, uh, unless they like Penn State's run defense really falls off. It's just not, you know, a, a, a likely outcome to me. And I think Brent Pry is going to be ready for this game, and I think Mike Yurcich is going to be ready for this game. I, I will say we haven't got into this yet, and we're a little out of order here, but that's fine. What is the matchup that you are trying to watch uh, closer than any heading into this game? I mean, my matchup was different. I guess coming into everything, I, I had like uh, 
you know, I just threw all the numbers out there, and that was my matchup. Can Penn State overcome, you know, the statistics? Or can they can they continue to keep that trend going? Because Penn State has played Iowa really well under Jim, James Franklin's tenure. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, Penn State is behind the eight ball or anything when it comes to statistics. I mean, they look – they look like, I mean, statistically speaking, you have to prove, you know, the statistics show that Penn State is a, could be a better team than Iowa. And personally, coming into this game, I thought Penn State was going to be three, thought Iowa was going to be four. I mean, either way, it doesn't really matter. Whoever wins is going to end up solidifying that anyway. Maybe. And may- neither's passing Bama or Georgia. Yeah, exactly. And Georgia's not losing to. Auburn, <laughs> even though Bo Nix played like, you know, Johnny Manziel, junior, junior. For like 10 snaps. Yes. And then the rest he looked like <laughs> Bo Nix. Yes. Uh, but I, I'll say like my key matchup going into this week was Tyler Goodson, the running game against Penn State, uh, Penn State's defense, because I like that's the only way that I think they're going to be able to score. Um, and that was the matchup I chose. And it's not even one that I firmly believe in that Iowa has a great chance of winning. Uh, and it goes back to what I said about this just not being a good offense uh, and, and it being a, an offense that Penn State should be able to stop routinely. It's just a matter of how its offense will do. But as if Penn State can really stymie the Iowa rushing offense and force Spen- Spencer Peters to throw the ball, I was cooked. Like they're not going to beat Penn State if they're not able to run the ball and score that way or at least drain clock that way uh, and then rely on the defense to put them in an advantageous field uh, position. And, you know, um, hit a few field goals, maybe win like nine to six. Like, I think that honestly might be Iowa's best outcome in this game. I just, I, I'm not a believer in this offense, not a believer in Spencer Petrus. I do think, you know, Tyler Goodson is good. I, I just don't think he's like a special talent or anything like that. And I think that's going to be what bites Iowa in the end here. Yeah, I mean, Penn State does have more, I think they have more exceptional skill position players. That's That's not even a question. I mean, Parker Washington would be <laughs> might. I mean, Parker Washington, who is probably Penn State's second or third best, you know, skill position player, would probably be Iowa's best by far, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I Penn State has at least two running backs that I would start over Goodson, and that's not a knock on Goodson. I think that says more about Lee and Lovett uh, than anything else. But yeah, this is this is not an Iowa team that is, is particularly advanced on the outside and in the backfield or anything like that. So they have to find their advantages to win, and that's with the physicality you mentioned earlier. But Penn State can match it on both sides of the ball. Uh, the their defensive line is anchored by PJ Muster in the middle, who's been excellent this year, uh, and will probably fare better against Tyler Linderbaum than than most D tackles do the rest of the season. I would argue better than any will the rest of the season. Uh, and then then you're you're allowing Arnold Ebicady, uh and and you know, Jesse Lucada to, to sort of pressure the quarterback. And if you can get pressure on Petrus, like he's done too. So like there's, there are so many options for this Penn State defense. If they can, if they can just minimize the running game, put the ball in Petrus' hands, they should be in good shape because these, these defensive backs can hold up too. So all three levels of the defense, I see an advantage for Penn State against Iowa's offense. And on two levels of the defense, I see an advantage for Iowa over Penn State's offense. But Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, are an advantage for Penn State. And, you know, if, if they win that battle, they, they win the game pretty handily. Yeah. I I I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I want I wanted to I wanted to be a close game because I mean close games are fun. Oh, yeah, I mean I'm either way. Listen, I'm I'm gonna be in Iowa City. I'm very much looking forward to a raucous crowd and a, a fun environment to cover a game in. Yeah. You know, this is 
Uh, this is one of those places, right? Kinnick Stadium, everyone wants to go. Uh, very much looking forward to that. But that will do it for this week's episode of the Lion's Lair. Uh, if you want to read Kyle and I's work about the, the upcoming game, you can find it at centerdaily.com. You can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at KyleJAndrews underscore, and you can find me at, at John Sauber. Please rate, review, and subscribe on the plat- podcast platform of your choosing. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great day. Hey everyone, it's producer Noah here with a real quick note. You will not be seeing a new episode from us next week before the Illinois game, but don't worry, the Lions Lair will be returning before Penn State's critical Ohio State matchup. So make sure you follow all of our coverage at centerdaily.com so you won't miss a beat. We'll see you guys in a bit.